Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 20 of Holding Court. 20, can you believe it? We are still here. We have such a special episode for you today. All the feels. Uh, We're going to discuss a special milestone that Justin just hit. And also, I'm going to welcome a fellow LA Marathon ambassador to share his story of his journey through running and how he said it literally saved his life. All coming up right now. Twenty episodes. Did you ever think you would see the day? Oh, that's crazy. Twenty episodes. I mean, that just goes to tell you how long, like, how long this whole crazy new world we're living in uh, has been going on because our first episode was literally like the first week of this pandemic. Right. Like so crazy. It's kind of a strange way to measure how long we've been in this. (laughs) Yeah. Terrible measuring stick. (laughs) Hopefully we can move away from that soon, but yeah, it's super exciting to see that nice, big, clean number. And speaking of nice, big, clean numbers, you Mr. Turner hit a pretty cool milestone. I know these things are normally more on my radar because I like to look at like, I don't know, stats pages and numbers and all that. So I kind of had this on my radar, I think at the end of last season, I was like, oh, he's pretty close to that. That's pretty cool. And then obviously this year um, started to come a little closer into focus for you. So a thousand hits. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. That's crazy. That's a that's a big number, and it is exciting. And you know, it's not something that I don't think it's something that like I ever really thought about or dreamed about. I don't know if anyone really dreams about it. Like, oh man, I I just want to get a thousand hits, or you know, I, I I don't know if that's a number that anyone really like. Well, Bernie Mac about. dreamt about three thousand. I will say that. I. Well, I mean, 3,000 is, like, Hall of Fame material, so that is something. But, you know, the way my career went and the path that I took, uh, you know, I don't – 1,000 hits was ever on my radar. And you had mentioned it last year at the end of the season, um, and then obviously it came up a couple times this year, but it's not something that, you know, I really, like, dwelled on or felt like I needed to have. I kind of felt like, you know, if I go out and do what I do and help us win games, like that number will just eventually come. Like it'll happen on its own. And even to the point where when, you know, I hit the double the other night, I I almost didn't realize it. It took me a second to realize, like, oh, shit, that was a 1,000. Like I got the second and I took my thumb guard off and took my batting gloves off and then I was bending over to take my shin guard off hit me and I remembered I was like oh wait like that's a thousand I looked up real quick and I was like hey get that ball uh but obviously the legend of Chico he already knew and he was on the field I, I think it was Chico grabbing the ball for me and uh yeah so pretty pretty cool night it's funny because I just did my zoom interview for backstage Dodgers and I said obviously it was tough not being able to be there in person to see you reach that milestone 
but it was cool to be able to see the close up on you, like kind of just have this like little moment to reflect. They obviously put something up on the board for you. And then obviously across like the outfield wall. And then now we had talked about this last night and you're like, oh, I didn't even realize it, but I'm sure you still had a little point of reflection. Like, oh, that's cool. All right. Let's, let's get back to the game. <laughs> yeah. It's just weird. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't really like love like stuff like that. And like, you know, people like taking time out and like looking at me and clapping. Like, I don't know. It's just not something that I live for or like desire, but it was cool to, you know, see the image on the scoreboard. Congratulations. Thousand career hits. And then look over in the dugout, all the coaches and teammates clapping and and trainers and and all the guys on the top step. Um, It's pretty cool. And then you have some guys on the other team, you know, congratulating you. So uh, definitely not something I desire, but uh, definitely pretty cool. And like you said, not you not being there definitely sucks. Um, and not having any fans there, you know, obviously, uh, I think some of the coolest things about playing in LA and, and our fan base is when historical things happen and milestones happen, being, being able to share those with your family and, and obviously the fans as well and not being able to do either of those, uh, you know, I guess kind of put a little damper on it, but still a cool moment. Something I'll never forget about. Yeah, it definitely made it more intimate. It was cool to see, you know, the dugout reaction and everything um, to make the most of that moment. But it would actually be kind of cool. I don't even know if this is even possible to watch like a compilation of all of your hits, like fast forward, like to Benny Hill music or something. That would be Ooh, like all ulti- uh, like making someone sit down and watch like your vacation slideshow. Like I feel like this would be like a little cooler than that, right? We could like pump it to some jams. No. Yeah, that'd be that'd be a lot of work, I think. Um, <laughs> but that would be cool. Maybe we can ask someone to try to put that together. If like anyone has forward. four years of their life that will, they want to dedicate to this video. <laughs> oh man, send well, me a DM. I don't like talking about me, so let's change the subject. Let's talk about you for a second. Um, I don't know how many people know this, but you were recently acknowledged and named as a LA Marathon ambassador, official ambassador. So uh, what that means is you have a small group of LA Marathon runners who are representing and helping uh, grow and spread awareness for the marathon and uh, there's all types of challenges and races throughout the year. And I think it's absolutely awesome that they recognized you and asked you to be a part of this uh, because I don't think there's anyone more deserving of it than you. Wow. Yeah, I honest, I mean, we talked about not thinking that the podcast, like getting to 20 episodes, that being a marathon ambassador is something I never ever thought would happen. And even to this day with two marathons under my belt, I still have a hard time. If someone says, Oh, you're a runner, you're a marathon runner. I find myself always correcting them because I still feel like since I'm not, you know, leading the pack when I'm running that I'm, you know, I won't allow myself to be put in that category yet. So it's something I never thought would happen. It's, you know, I'm sure for other marathon ambassadors you know 
it's something that they saw in the cards because this is what they've done for years and years and years. But yeah, I'm super honored that, you know, they asked me to be a part of this. And this group of 18 runners is really, really special. And I don't know if you guys get a chance to go on the LA Marathon website um, under get involved. You can actually go to the ambassador page and just read everyone's bio. And it is so inspiring when you read, you know, the reason behind why people run and who they're running for and just that bigger purpose. And, you know, I talked a little on our very first episode about my marathon experience and what it meant for me to, you know, dig deep and really push myself to do something that doesn't come naturally. And, and a marathon is definitely that for me It is not easy. I don't know if it's easy for anyone, but yeah, I, yeah, it's a, it's a huge honor and I hope I can represent the LA Marathon and the city really well this year and looking forward to, you know, when all the restrictions are lifted, you know, getting out and being able to run with this group of people and really get to know them and, and help celebrate our city with them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you kind of touched on it. I think everyone thinks about running a marathon as a race and running for time and, uh, you know, a challenge and competition, but it really isn't. It's, it's more, you know, the more runners you talk to and get to know and hear their story about why they're running marathons or how they got into marathons, it really is coming from somewhere else, some other inspiration. Like for you example, for example, like you signed up to run a 5k to benefit the foundation. And when people started donating and rooting you on and saying, Oh, this is amazing. You're running the LA marathon. You know, it kind of set this tone for you. Like, Oh crap. Like people think I'm running the marathon. I I'm going <laughs> to run the marathon to raise money. And obviously uh, for three, na- three years now you've been raising a lot of money for the foundation, which all goes to a great cause. And, uh, but that's kind of your call. You, you would, I still, you still don't consider yourself a runner if you listen to your talk. Uh, but for someone that's finished two full marathons and a handful of half marathons and all the five K's and 10 K's that you do, I mean, I certainly think of you as a runner. And I think, uh, when we get our, our guest on the phone here in a, in a few seconds, uh, you know, you'll hear what his calling was as well and, and, and why he's still going about it. So I think, uh, I think we should just get on the phone. I love it. Yeah. Um, I really fell into it and it was kind of an accident and I think it was, I mean, now thinking about it, it's probably not an accident. It was probably how it was supposed to be. And I probably needed to kind of be forced into it, uh, a little against my, will and to get to kickstart me to do this because when we first partnered with the LA Marathon as uh, one of the official charities I was like kind of looking around the room like who else is going to do this like someone else please run for us and now it's it's turned into something really cool so yeah let's bring on Phil Shin he's one of the other ambassadors and he just has such a cool story Justin you actually met him before the marathon and we'll make sure to ask him all about that and his journey. So let's get him on the phone now. Let's do it. Hi, Phil. How are you? I'm great, Cord. How are you? Doing good. I was actually just telling Justin about our LA Marathon Ambassador Program, which I still 
don't know how I'm in the company of all these incredible people uh, like yourself. Um, so yeah, just wanted to have you on here and allow you a chance to share your story because uh, I think it's pretty incredible. So I guess let's take it back to the beginning uh, before we talk about how you ended up in the LA Marathon starting tower with Justin and just share a little about how you <laughs> got into running. Yeah, well, before we go there, let me just stop you. Uh, no, you are in, I mean, you are one of the best ambassadors that we have because you're actually going to be working on your third consecutive LA Marathon. I mean, that is not for the faint of heart, Court. I mean, that's crazy inspiring. I mean, a lot of people who run marathons, the people that I've known who run marathons, it's really kind of like a one and done deal. And my expectation after I ran my first one 20 years ago, which was the LA Marathon, it was totally going to be a one and done. And I am not coming back. I'm just going to go back to the couch and enjoy my beer <laughs> and chips. So, so no, you are in, you are in definitely uh, elite company. Uh, so it, it, it's, it's actually That's our nice. honor to have you as an ambassador. Yeah. So, so yeah, no, thanks to you guys so much for having me. Um, I, first of all, just huge Dodger fan, um, huge fan of JT. I, I mean, we, I, I still think that your swing, you know, your, your swing should be like the next logo for major league baseball. <laughs> it's just so beautiful. It really is. Start so, the petition. Let's um, do it. Yeah, I know. I'll, I'll happy to do, uh, help lead that effort. <laughs> so, so yeah, I know. So huge, huge fan. And I just couldn't be more honored to, um, you know, share this airspace with you guys to share my little story. So, so yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, my first LA Marathon was back in 2000. I was turning 30 that year and kind of wanted to do something pretty significant. And uh, when that thought came into my head, I looked. I was reading through the sports section of the uh, LA Times and saw that the LA Marathon was coming into town uh, this coming, you know, that coming weekend. So that was about four days before the marathon. So I just said, hey, you know what? Why don't I go ahead and sign up for this? And, you know, <laughs> let this be my exclamation. Wait, so you had, you had four days of training going into your first marathon? Well, that would assume that I, I had four days, but I didn't necessarily train. I mean, my training was really just <laughs> Mentally. Expert to, pick up, to pick up my gear and, you know, tilt the line, you know. There you go. Days. You were rested, at least. But, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this was back in the day where you could actually, you know, sign up for a marathon like the day of. But yeah. in my case, I thought I'd be a little bit more proactive and sign up for it four days earlier. So, <laughs> so yeah, I felt like I was ready to go. And, you know, I, 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 I wasn't a runner. In fact, I'm really embarrassed to say that, you know, that LA marathon was the first time I actually put a race bib on, you know, my shirt. I'd never run like a 5k or, you know, even like a 1k fun run before. I thought, you know what, let's just go full marathon and see what happens. And, you know, it turned out to be a very, very bad idea. <laughs> but um, <laughs> thankfully, I was able to finish despite like it being uh, at the time, the wettest LA marathon on record. I think we got about three inches of rain that day. So, and, you know, I, I didn't know anything about, you know, these, you know, fancy, uh, you know, uh, uh, sweat wicking shirts. You know, I just wore the cotton t-shirt that they gave me at the marathon <laughs> and I was just completely drenched. Yeah. I was, I think I wore like a pair of like the uh, Bo Jackson cross trainers with my tube socks and just kind of went out and, yeah, just just I, I basically broke every rule that you know uh, there is in terms of you know preparing for a marathon. So, <laughs> so yeah, so that was my experience, and my intention was really to just kind of like 
make it my one and done deal and go, go on to my lazy lifestyle. Um, so yeah, yeah. So not, not, you know, just not the, uh, it's, it's certainly not going to be worthy of like a runner's world cover, you know, in terms of, you know, how, like, you know, how to run a marathon. So yeah. So from there, um, I, uh, kind of put running aside and then uh had a job opportunity to work in uh london so i um, my wife and i we moved to london and you know uh the group that i worked with actually had a running club uh where they'd go out for lunch uh and go on a you know two mile run so i joined them and i struggled but i actually done, you know ended up really enjoying that so uh from there i ended up you know running a bunch of 5ks and 10ks and just really really enjoyed it so by the time we came back to the U.S. Uh, three years later in 2005, I thought I'd give the uh, LA Marathon another shot. Um, so I uh, signed up again. This time I signed up several months before the marathon there so I go. could actually give myself some time <laughs> yeah, to train for it. And I ended up uh, shaving almost an hour off my time. And wow. This time I actually did have a really good time uh, running it. So the first time I ran it, it took me six hours. Uh, the second time I ran it, it took me just over five. And I, again, I, I think the important thing was that I finished strong and I was, I was smiling. I was happy by the time I finished it. So, so yeah, so from there, I really kind of got the bug, uh, to run marathons. And I also ran half marathons and five Ks and 10 Ks. And since then, uh, since the, uh, uh, LA marathon, uh, from this year, I've now completed 21 marathons. Wow. And I've BQ'd uh, three times as well. So that's, you know, it's not the conventional journey to running, uh, you know, to marathoning. But, you know, I could have easily, again, just kind of walked away from uh, running altogether after that first miserable experience. But thankfully, the uh, running gods were nice to me and uh, helped me, you know, find my love for it. I love that because my first year, obviously, they were about to start opening up the streets and that's never a good sign when when there's no longer, <laughs> when you're in that last stretch of, I don't know. when mean, they it hand feels, you a broom, right, to help them with the cleanup. <laughs> yeah. When you see the street sweepers come in, it's not a good sign. And, yeah, and awful, this past yeah. year, I shaved about an hour off because how could I not from my first time? I and, know, you were amazing. You were amazing. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow, there are actually booths still set up like in the last five miles and there were bands and people cheering. I'm like, this is what it's supposed to be like because the year before – it was, I feel like it was like tumbleweed was going in my path when I was running. I'm oh, like, no. oh gosh, why oh, would they no. make it a ghost town? And so I actually got the full experience this past year. <laughs> right, right. Now I'll tell you, Court, I mean, I, I, I mean, as much as I admire, you know, you know, the elite runners and, you know, the semi-elite runners, the ones I really have the most praise and affection for are the middle of the packers and especially the back of the packers because, you know, they're clearly doing this for something bigger than themselves. Uh, I think in your first podcast, you had mentioned about, you know, all the incredible stories of, you know, uh, of these runners, you know, uh, overcoming, you know, their own personal challenges or, you know, running for something beyond themselves. And that's, those are the runners you're going to find in the middle and the back of the pack. And those are my people. Those are the <laughs> people that I run for and that I want to run with. Right. So, so you you know you're you're obviously building your way up you know you know one tier at a time to eventually getting up to that you know uh, semi elite uh, level but certainly you know it 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 it's 
the people that finish, you know, uh, you know, after the four or five hour mark that I truly admire because, you know, they're doing something very, very uncomfortable and being on your feet for that long is just not pleasant. And uh, again, those are the, you know, those are my people and those are the ones that have the really, really good stories as to why they're doing what they're doing. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I have, I've, I've never ran a marathon. Um, and it, <laughs> like you see that number 26.2 miles and that's such an intimidating number. And I think most people think like, oh man, like I have to be a, I have to be a runner to do that. There's no way that's an impossible hill to climb. And then, you know, being out there the last three years along the course and cheering on the runners and seeing, you know, all the different types of people, types of runners, you know, out on the course, uh, tackling this, this beast of 26.2 miles through Los Angeles. It's uh, it's so inspirational and it's so like motivating that, Hey, listen, like, like you said, it's, it's bigger than just running a marathon. A lot of these people are out there running for a cause, running for, uh, family members, running for friends, raising awareness. And the best part about it is getting to go to the finish line and watching the runners cross the finish line and seeing the range of emotion. Um, you know, you see people holding hands, uh, finishing together, uh, court and Gabby last year held hands and raised their hands across the line. You see runners falling to their knees and tears and so emotional that they finished it. Most likely their first, first marathon. Uh, that's the coolest part for me is seeing, you know, the, the age difference, the range of runners, the body types that are out there, the people in costumes, and then also seeing the emotion at the finish line is, is so special. And I think uh, everyone should uh, at least consider getting out there and running one. And if not, get out on the course and, and cheer on the runners and experience it because it's, it's so cool. Right. hundred percent, hundred percent. In fact, you know, there's a, you know, there, there's a, a saying out there that uh, really hits home uh, to me. Um, and it goes like this, that if you're losing faith in humanity, just stand and watch at mile 25 of a marathon to, you know, restore hope in humanity, because that's really where the good stuff is. And again, I'm talking about, you know, those middle and back of the Packers that know that, look, they've just run, you know, 25 miles of a freaking marathon and that they have one more mile to go. And they're, they're not thinking about themselves in terms of things. They're thinking about something else beyond them to help them get to that finish line. So there's just nothing more beautiful than seeing, you know, that last mile and seeing them really kind of dig deep into that well that they didn't know existed to get to that finish line. I mean, that I, I just get emotional thinking about that mm-hmm. because that's really where all the good stuff is. And, you know, just, I know that you've had, you know, the opportunity to just kind of like stand at the finish line. And when you see them cross that finish line with their arms up in the air, with tears streaming down their face, again, they're not doing this because of the metal. They're doing this because of something that they truly overcome something, uh, and, you know, and achieve something that was way, 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 you know, beyond their sense of reality. So, so yeah, that's why I'm so pumped, you know, to, to be in this group of ambassadors with court, you know, who basically have, you know, walked the same walk, you know, that we Mm -hmm. have. Uh, So, yeah. Yeah. Well, you mentioned that you didn't really start running for any reason other than, you know, you saw it in the paper and you wanted to get off the couch and, you know, maybe start up a new hobby or, you know, maybe it would be one and done, but now, you obviously have a reason behind your running and 
I would love for you to share your story on, you know, that extra motivation that you have now to run and, and complete these marathons. Yeah. Thanks for that. Um, yeah. So my, my, uh, journey to running, it, it actually isn't that unusual up until, you know, my cancer diagnosis. I mean, I, I was somebody who started taking running seriously and one day realized, you know what, I, I feel like I'm good enough at this to try and qualify for the Boston marathon. So about, about five years ago, I kind of made the decision that I was going to really make an attempt at uh, qualifying for the Boston Marathon. I mean, because that's, that's basically the uh, everyday marathon in his dream. So yeah, that's my... The Ser- that's the World Series, right? That's y- like the yeah. biggest one. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's almost like the Olympics of mm-hmm. uh, marathons. And, you know, for your listeners that don't know, I mean, the Boston Marathon is the most prestigious marathon uh, in the world. It's the oldest marathon in the world and the only way you can get in is by meeting a qualifying standard i mean so the other big marathons like new york chicago london berlin and tokyo those you can actually go in through lottery and it you know it's still tough to get in through lottery but you have a chance but boston Mm -hmm. doesn't offer a lottery the only way to get in is by qualifying so i decided you know back in 2016 to really make a go of this and it was painful. I mean, every time I tried to qualify for Boston, the wheels would basically, I would run a race to try and meet a qualifying standard. The wheels would just completely fall apart, you know, after like mile 20. So, but you know, as runners, you know, that's part of the journey. You want to continue getting back up and getting back out there and train for the next one. So um, around uh, 2018, I had actually just run the uh, 2018 uh, LA marathon in March and same thing. I was trying to hit my qualifying time and I was on pace for about 18 miles and right around mile 19 started cramping up and just, you know, just crawled to the finish. So, but I was ready to keep at it. So, um, in 2018, earlier that year, I had actually, uh, uh, had to, uh, switch insurance providers. And the reason why is because my son Will has a hearing impairment and he was wearing some pretty old hearing aids that just kind of kept breaking down on him. So we did, we, we made the decision to uh, switch insurance providers to get a better hearing aid benefit. So by doing that, uh, I, you know, I, I actually had to switch my primary care doctor. So when I went in for my visit with the doctor to just introduce myself and uh, go going for my initial checkup, I shared with him the history, you know, my family history of hepatitis. And, you know, because me being a runner, I was never symptomatic. I was pretty healthy. You know, I, I lived, you know, a fairly healthy lifestyle. So, so, but I did tell him that, look, my family has a history of hepatitis, but, you know, no issues, you know, from anybody in my family. And that's when he kind of said, well, I don't know anything about you. So I'm just going to order a whole panel of liver tests for you just to make sure that you are clear. Mm-hmm. So he did. And, you know, I, uh, just kind of carried on with my life and then uh, ran that marathon. And about a month after that marathon, he called me into the office to say that my recent blood work indicated the presence of a tumor, a very large tumor in my liver. And again, I was never symptomatic. So I thought, oh, it's probably nothing. So he said, well, it may not, it may be, you might be right. It might be nothing, but still let's go ahead and order up an ultrasound to see, you know, what, what's causing this uh, result. 
So when they did the ultrasound, that's when they discovered that there was uh, a large mass in my liver. So from there, uh, the liver doctor went ahead and uh, uh, ordered up uh, an MRI for me to get a close look. And then based on those results, he actually transferred me over to a liver specialist, a hepatologist, uh, to uh, order up a CT scan, which is an even closer look. And I don't know if you have any experience with CT scans, but that's a very uncomfortable uh, x-ray. Yeah. That's where they uh, put the contrast in you, and then they put you in this uh, MRI machine with a spinning um, uh, camera, I guess, and it just uh, it just uh, puts a lot of radiation through you to get that close look. Yep. So after I walked out of that, that's when I kind of realized that, okay, this is probably something. If they're if they're investing this much into taking a look at my liver, then we're probably dealing with something here. So in my next appointment, they actually put me in front of a liver surgeon and shared the news with me that I actually had second stage liver cancer. Oh. And yeah, so th that was just the very last thing on my mind because again, I was, you know, living a healthy lifestyle just trying to, you know, get ready for my next uh, Boston qualifying race. So, so yeah, to go from, you know, just a, uh, a world of, you know, normalcy uh, and healthy living to receive a cancer diagnosis kind of shook our world. Yeah. So, um, so while meeting with the uh, liver surgeon, um, she said, you know, you only have one option right now. Uh, this this tumor here is about the size of a racquetball. Uh, we're going to need to remove this as soon as possible. Um, so we're going to get you scheduled for surgery and uh, remove this, remove a segment of your liver that, you know, this tumor uh, exists in. So um, I, I had no experience with this. I just said, well, you know, I only have one liver. If you're going to cut a big portion of it, what, what's that going to do to my liver? <laughs> And this is when I learned for the first time that the liver is actually the only organ in the body that regenerates. So um, very much like a lizard tail, you know, whatever you cut out will actually grow back and, you know, um, grow back to full size and function normally again. So when she shared this news with us, we said, all right, well, hey, that sounds good to me. Let's go ahead and do this as soon as possible. So that's when they scheduled me in uh, about three weeks later uh, for the surgery. Uh, the surgery went great. They got all of the tumor. The pathology report indicated that, you know, the uh, uh, margins were all clear and that um, the cancer was all gone. So uh, from there, you know, it was just kind of going through the recovery process. And um, thanks to my health, which is all attributed to my running, uh, I was able to recover very quickly. I mean, I was only in the hospital for three days uh, wow. and I was expected to be there for about a week, um, and I actually started running again about a month later. Um, so, so from there, now that I was kind of feeling better and you know back at it, um, a buddy of mine went ahead and <laughs> bought me a registration for a marathon of, uh, that was going to be in about five months. So my surgery was in May of 2018, and that marathon was in October. So I only had five months to get ready for this. So, so I thought that was just kind of funny because typically, you know, when, you know, you're visiting a friend at hospital, you'll like, you know, send some flowers, send some balloons. <laughs> He's like, Hey man, this sign guy, you up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. You're like, don't worry, you can yeah. you can recover and train at the same time. Right, right. So, so I mean, I, I think he was really just kind of putting it out there just as a way of motivating me to keep moving. Uh, but, you know, certainly I had no expectations to actually, you know, run a freaking marathon, you know, in five months uh, because, you know, because I had a, abdominal surgery, you know, they cut right through my core to get to that liver, right? So. Yeah. You kind of need your core, you know, to do things like breathe. To do every, oh, everything God. in life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they cut through my diaphragm. So breathing and just walking down, you know, just walking to the kitchen was hard huh, yeah. for those first few days. So the last thing on my mind was actually being able to tow a line at a marathon. So, so but I, you know, I certainly appreciate it. And I was definitely motivated to at least start, you know, running again. So, so I just started, you know, getting up walking you know taking walks around the block and then once i started getting really comfortable with that then i slowly started you know doing light light jogs so by the time we got to like august um i was feeling really good and i started you know running fairly normally again so around september that's when i realized oh wow i'm actually hitting real marathon workouts so I thought, you know, this might be possible. So that October marathon, I, I might be able to do. So, so I started increasing my mileage, um, doing, uh, and even doing those speed workouts, those dreadful speed workouts, you know, to try and, you know, uh, run a faster marathon. Mm -hmm. And then by the time I actually got to that marathon in October, I felt like I could actually do the distance. But, you know, I had no expectations in terms of, you know, running it in a certain time. I just felt like, oh, wow, if I can actually just finish this race, I'll be thrilled. Yeah. So, and just to give myself some out of motivation, you know, I was like thinking, well, you know, I, I'm so grateful to be running again and, you know, beating cancer that, you know, I'm dedicating this race, you know, for, you know, all those cancer patients who want to run but can't. So, I mean, so I was going in with just a load of inspiration and just a load of gratitude for finally being able to, you know, run a marathon again. So, um, when we got to that start line, uh, and the race was in Big Bear. So, uh, when we got to the start line, uh, the buddy who actually got me the, uh, the marathon, uh, registration, uh, he actually ran it with me and he, his intention was really to just kind of keep an eye on me because, uh, my friend David, he's a very, very good runner. He's actually run Boston three times. So his his goal was really to just kind of keep an eye out on me and make sure that you know I can you know that I don't hurt myself or I have any issues. So when the uh, start gun went off, I took off right away and I was feeling really good. So, but you know I was just kind of just running on feel. I wasn't looking at my watch. I was I had zero expectations. So. Um, I just, I just ran and just ran for the joy of running and I didn't even realize it, but I ran right past David and I just <laughs> continued on. So, See ya. so yeah, yeah, exactly. I was like, Oh God, this is, this is great. Oh my God. It's, 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 and you're up in, you know, beautiful big bear, you see the clouds, you know, on the horizon and you're actually running into the clouds also. So I, I really felt like I was in my happiest of happy places. So, so being able to run that, I just felt so good. And again, I, this was like the first time I actually ran a marathon where I didn't even look at a, I, I didn't look at my watch. You know, I wasn't focused on my pace or anything like that. I was really just running for the joy of it. So by the time I got to about mile 20, 
this is when I thought, you know, I better take a look because I, I feel really good and I'm starting to feel concerned about, you know, how I'm feeling because, again, you know, typically whenever I try and run a marathon about mile 20, court, you're probably familiar with this too. When you get to mile 20, that's when you're really kind of feeling it. That's a dark but space I, right there. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. It is. It's a dungeon. It yeah. can be. But uh, when I actually got to mile 20, I took a peek at my watch and I thought, oh, my God. I, I'm on BQ pace right now. I'm I'm actually on pace to qualify for the Boston Marathon, and I just thought this can't be right because you know I, all these years I've been trying to get to this place, and for the you know the one time where I'm not even worried about time or effort, you know I I'm actually ahead of you know uh, BQ pace. So so I thought, well, this is just unbelievable. So. Let me just kind of keep writing this and see where it takes me. So, so I put the watch away and I kept going. And by the time I got to like mile 23, 24, this is when I realized that I was well ahead of uh, Boston qualifying pace. I mean, over seven minutes to be exact. So I, this, this is when everything kind of went twilight zone on me. I just couldn't explain it. But at this point, I just said, who cares? let's just get to that finish as fast as we can because this is just lightning in a bottle. So let's run with it literally. So by the time I got to mile 25, that's like it when it really hit me. Like, oh my God, I've got this now. So just protect this. You know, don't, <laughs> you know, don't screw it up. Yeah, don't screw it up. Don't, don't, yeah. Don't trip. Yeah. Don't trip. This is basically like my no hitter. It's like, yeah. please just, you know, nobody look at me. Nobody talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, so yeah, so then once I got to mile 26 and I had that last quarter mile to go, it, the, the emotions of everything, you know, of, you know, what I've gone through over the past five months, you know, the, uh, the fact that I was actually going to be qualifying for the Boston Marathon for the first time after all these years. I mean, the emotions just hit me. I was crying. I was screaming to anybody who had listened that I'm going to Boston. I'm going to Boston. And then when I crossed that finish line, I just completely lost it. Yeah. So, yeah, That's best incredible. feeling in the world. Yeah, yeah and I, I, I still can't explain it. I mean, it was, it was uh, what, nearly two years ago when this happened. I still can't describe it. So, or I can't explain it, that is. So, and you know, what's really funny is, okay, so I crossed the finish line, and, you know, I'm just, I, I'm just on the highest of highs, texting, calling my wife. Um, my sister was was uh, vacationing in Paris at the time. She even calls me because she was tracking my run and she couldn't <laughs> believe it. And then I turned around and I was like, oh, wait, I wonder where David is, <laughs> the guy that I ran with. And I turn around and, you know, by then I have like my mylar blanket on me. I have a banana in my hand. And about five minutes later, he crosses the line. And David's a fantastic runner. And I actually beat him by over five minutes. <laughs> and he crosses the line and he looks so stressed because he had no idea where I was. Oh, so no. he actually <laughs> thought that, yeah, he thought he ran past me and that I was laid out on the side of the road or something. Oh my goodness. So I think, yeah, I think he was ready to like call somebody and say, hey, we need to find Phil because I have no <laughs> idea where he is. And he felt terrible because he had one job in, in his mind. It was just to keep an eye on me. And but I never gave him that opportunity. <laughs> little little did he know you were sitting on your Boston qualified throne past the finish line yeah, eating a banana. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And looking at and just looking at him, they dude, what took you so long? So, 
Like, Thanks so, for the yeah. registration, buddy. Yeah. Appreciate it. I know. <laughs> it's, it's crazy that you talk about, you know, how you had tried so hard and you worked so hard and like putting the effort in and like qualifying was your goal and you just couldn't get there, couldn't get there. And then you come to this marathon where you just throw all that out the window and you just enjoying it being out there and running. And I can't talk on running terms because I've never ran a marathon, but like it's something that does get talked about in baseball a lot. Like the harder you try, the, the harder it is to, you know, have success because you're just putting all this stress on yourself and, and you're setting yourself up to fail. And, you know, a lot of times you hear guys say, Hey, try less, like more is less, less is more. Right. right? And so right. is that kind of like what you learn from yourself in this marathon that yeah. you're in? Like yeah. less is more. I just need to enjoy it. And I'm, I'm my best version of myself while I'm enjoying what I'm doing instead of stressing over looking at my watch every, you know, quarter mile. Yeah, no, exactly. And honestly, it, it's really embracing the whole journey. I mean, I had to completely, based on this experience, the one thing I learned is it's not about the marathon itself. It's about the journey to getting to the marathon, right? So you're going to have to put in the work. So mm -hmm. uh, one of my uh, favorite marathoners, Ahmed Kleski, uh, he had uh, just a, uh, I mean, he had a thing that was, that applies to everything that you care about, right? So he says training is 90% physical and 10% mental. But by the time you get to the race, it's 90% mental and 10% physical. Because if you put in the work, you're going to do great. You just need to get out of your own head, right? Yeah. So that's really what it is. It applies to anything. And um, Courtney, I mean, as you, know, as you, you know, cut off nearly an hour off your time, you probably felt the same way. Because you had that experience under your belt, you knew that you knew what training it took to get there. And you knew how hard that marathon was going to be. But once you reframe, you know, that race and don't put every egg in that basket, you're actually going to find out that, hey, you know what, I'm actually enjoying this. So, so ever since I took that mindset, and especially after what happened, you know, in that Boston qualifying race, I've kind of like run with that. And it's, it's, it's worked beautifully because every race I've run since, every race that I've run since, I've a thousand percent enjoyed, you know? Yeah. Going from obviously the first year was you see that number and I don't know, sometimes I think like I'm driving to Dodger Stadium and it's like 10 miles from my house. I'm like, oh gosh, I have to go there and back. And then I still have six miles. Like that's kind of how my head works. I try to like, <laughs> I always think of things in terms of like driving somewhere. I'm like, I should probably not do that because it just seems crazy. But I will say this past year training, I just signed up for a 10K in Arizona when we we're um, out there for spring training I was like I don't have any expectations I just need to check off you know this number of mileage and I mean my pace like I'm normally let's be honest like a 12 and a half minute mile pace um, no shame in that but I just went out and ran and I for once like you said I didn't look at my watch and I was just you know the sun was shining and I was feeling good and I was running like a 10 minute mile I'm like wait what <laughs> like I didn't even think because you do get this idea in your head of what you're capable of. And so for me, like when people talk about a marathon, like I'm so quick to be like, Oh, I'm so slow. I'm not a runner. Like I might run a 13 minute mile. And, and in my mind, I'm like, is that really, you know, all I can do? Like, can I get to that space where, you know, I can run those like nine, 10 minute miles. Like, I feel like it's just something for me. It's just such like a mental block where I just have it in my head that I, 
I can't do that. And I feel like, you know, once I get to that place, I feel like I'll start PRing. I don't know about a BQ or anything like that, but (laughs) I definitely think that I, I have something to overcome with that. Right. Now, court I BQ at age 49, so I don't see why. You got plenty of runway to get Got a little bit of time. Whatever you do, yeah, whatever you do, don't, don't, don't ever, don't ever uh, exclude the possible. I mean, it's always going to be there, but yeah, the way I see it, if you put in the work and honestly, if you really care about it, it's not even going to feel like work, right? If you really put in the effort, you know, in the training, you're the marathon, the half marathon, whatever race have that's going to be your celebration that's really going to be your victory lap so that's really the mentality you have to go in with because i think honestly is you know, just embrace embrace the race itself for what it is right it's a celebration everybody's there to celebrate you so enjoy it right don't put so much don't put so much pressure on yourself to hit a certain time if you put in the work your body's going to take you there it's really just the mental aspect so yeah. again going back to what meb said you know the training is 90 percent physical 10 percent mental the race it's 90 percent mental 10 percent uh physical because you put in the work yeah so, so yeah yeah so totally so yeah yeah so i mean so th- that was again just a day that i can't explain and you know i i was all set i was ready i was already making my plan for boston uh and it was going to be for the, the 2020 boston marathon which ultimately ended up getting canceled but regardless you know at the time i was like really excited stoked, you know to get all my family there to go with us but about a month after that uh boston qualifying race my uh liver doctor ca- called me and said oh hey uh we're gonna need you to come back into the office for a conversation so by then i was now on the cancer protocol and what the cancer protocol is every three months you have to go in for a set of um blood tests and uh scans just to make sure that there isn't a recurrence of the cancer so after my most recent uh blood test and scan uh they found something unusual that warranted a, a, an actual physical visit. So I went in uh, to visit the uh, doctor, and this time I actually brought my uh, medal to celebrate, you know, to, to just kind of <laughs> show him, hey, look what I just did. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> so I showed him, he goes, oh, wow, that's great. But, you know, put that medal aside. We need to actually have a chat here because it looks like your cancer may have come back. So, I mean, just talk about a gut blow i mean it, yeah. it was really that was a, that was a rough one uh because again you know i'd been doing all the right things i just qualified for boston yeah. you know a cancer diagnosis was just the very last thing on my mm-hmm. mind and i guess it's a blessing because i was never symptomatic but you know at the same time you know i i had plans you know we had plans we were going to go places and then to, to have to put everything back on stop again to deal with this was just again the very last thing that we expected so so i you know we just went to the doctor all right when when do we have to schedule surgery to get this tumor out because now you know the the tumor had basically come back uh and this time in a completely different area of the liver so they were clearly still even though they got all the tumor from the initial surgery there were still cancer cells existing in that liver that was producing tumors so this is when you know we just expected to have to go through some tor- some type of treatment to remove the tumor, and that's when they shared with us the grim news that, look, we you need to know that surgery is no longer an option for you um, because your 
because of the presence of all the cancer cells in your liver, um, your liver has now become a tumor factory. So your only option now is a liver transplant. So yeah, when we got that news again, just, it was just piling on bad news on top of bad news on top of bad news because now we were told that we're no longer uh, a surgical option. Our only option is a liver transplant. So we had no idea what the organ transplant process was. Mm -hmm. So this is when they um, referred me to the transplant center at Keck USC. So I was now being taken care of by an entirely new team focused only on getting me a new liver. So to be flooded with that information was just an emotional, I mean, wrecking ball. So, so yeah, uh, we met with uh, the transplant uh, liver doctor at Keck, and he laid out our options for us. And the options were two. There were two options. The first one was just going through the uh, traditional. Uh, liver transplant uh, listing, uh, and this is where you would get placed on the list. And based on the health of your liver and the, the health of the patient, you would be placed. You would be prioritized on that list. Well, I had just qualified for the Boston Marathon, so I was basically at the very bottom of that list, oh, despite wow. having cancer. So they said, "Look, where you're at, you're probably going to be looking at." two to three years uh, to uh, to get a liver. So I we just said, well, okay, is there any way we can get up higher on that list? And he said, well, yeah, there is a way for you to get higher. Um, because I was a cancer, liver cancer patient, I can actually move up higher on that list based on, and so the, the way you're ranked on that list is based on points and you're assigned points based on the health of your liver. Well, with cancer you can actually get additional points if the size of your tumor is reaches a certain size so my my tumor was less than one centimeters but they said that if you can get that tumor to grow uh, more than two centimeters then you'll get additional points to move up higher on the list so what that means is they needed the cancer to just stay in me and let it continue to grow for me to move up higher on the list so they're so encur- they're mean, encouraging you to like make it worse so you can climb the list. Is that essentially yes, what they're yeah, saying? That, oh. At the end of the day, that's exactly what it is. Jeez. So do nothing. It's just a, it's a do nothing approach. And yeah. you know, as you know, as marathoners, a do nothing approach is the, it's just not something that even uh, equates with us. So mm-hmm. I said, well, that's not going to happen. What other options do we have? Can we go? Can we look at chemo? Can we look at something more directed? And they said, no, the, your other option is going through a living donor uh, transplant. And I said, well, what the hell is that? So they said, well, what you can do is, I mean, you'll still get listed, but rather than wait to get higher up that list, to receive a donor from a deceased, uh, to, re- to receive a liver from a deceased donor, you can now actually reach out to your network of family, friends, and colleagues to... Uh, submit themselves as a candidate to be your donor. And because, again, the liver regenerates, I would get a portion of someone's healthy liver mm-hmm. to replace my entire cancerous liver, and then the livers would grow back in both the donor and the recipient to full size and function. That's so, crazy. 
yeah so science right yeah that's <laughs> remarkable yeah yeah so but you know i i had no idea you know how to reach out to you know our family and friends you know mm. to to do something like this i mean i i have a hard enough time asking people to pay back you know money i lend them for lunch and you know, to <laughs> ask them to you know to submit themselves to you know save my life by risking their own life was just not something uh that was you know, anywhere near my comfort zone. So this is when, you know, thankfully my family stepped in, uh, particularly my sister, uh, Sandy, to uh, craft an email and push it out to all of our family, friends, and, you know, colleagues who may be interested in becoming a candidate to be my uh, liver donor. So uh, by working through uh, Keck, uh, they actually have an online questionnaire for any uh, prospective candidate to just fill out. And, you know, it's about a 20-minute uh, survey that measures the candidate's uh, physical health, their mental health, and their emotional health. And based on their responses, they would be uh, rated as, you know, uh, an ideal candidate. So um, we were shocked when we found out that, you know, after my sister pushed out that email that we had over 16 respondents uh, wow. to submit themselves and that just blew my mind I mean I I, I didn't I, I mean I, I knew that there was some family members that actually submitted themselves but you know to have 16 people just make the decision right then and there to submit themselves and you know at the end of the day you're just filling out a questionnaire but really you're doing something so much bigger you're making the decision to lay yourself down to help somebody yep. and and save that life. So yeah, so that, that I, I still struggle to get my head around how somebody could just make that decision right then and there. So, um, yeah, so that, so that, that was, that was that process. And then, uh, but for myself from there, it was really just me waiting. All I could do was just wait, uh, while these candidates were being, uh, evaluated and they could only be evaluated one at a time. So based on the highest ranked um, candidate, that person would get screened uh, through multiple appointments, uh, you know, with CAC, uh, and then presented to the transplant board, you know, to be approved to be my donor. And, you know, this process took well over six months. And in the meantime, you know, I was just sitting there, you know, um, going crazy, you know, with the uh, agony of just waiting because I, yeah, I, I, there was nothing else for me to do. So, um, yeah, so that, that, that was just uh, a maddening experience that I wouldn't wish on anybody because, you know, court, like, you know, when you're running a marathon, right, you just want it to start. When you're at the start line, you say, oh, gosh, please, Justin, yeah. just start to hit that horn. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> but, you know, in my case, I had zero visibility, you know, to uh, any updates on the evaluation process. And this is by design. Um, the, uh, uh, the transplant, uh, clinic, they purposefully, uh, uh, separate the donor and the recipient, uh, from each other, uh, during this evaluation process because they don't want any conflicts of interest, uh, uh, while they're being evaluated. And what that basically means is, you know, they, you know, the first, there's three criteria really, you know, to, for the, uh, uh, to become a candidate, one is you know blood type, uh, two is uh, age, and then uh, three is you know having a you know um, a healthy you know having a healthy um, 
uh, having a healthy life, I guess. So, uh, but the, the what's, what weight is placed most on the evaluation process is the mental and emotional health of that candidate because they want to make sure that this person is uh, doing something like this for the right reasons. So uh, they want to make sure that, you know, the person doesn't, you know, essentially back out at the last minute, right? Or or go through with it and then end up regretting it and, you know, having emotional issues from there. So, so the uh, process really is, and it is really just trying to convince that donor to, um, they, they try and talk them out of it really. You know, they're always asking, are you sure you want to do this? These are the things that can happen because they want to make sure that that candidate is steadfast, you know, in their, uh, decision to do, to do this. So, so, because of that, they keep me and my family, you know, and my medical team uh, completely uh, removed from it because they don't want any undue pressure on the donor, you know, from, you know, from my team to try and accelerate that evaluation process. Because yeah. let's just say, for example, I were to be in declining health, right? They don't want to use that, you know, uh, as a way to accelerate, you know, their decision making because, as you guys probably know, you know, any, any rush to decision generally leads to a bad outcome. So they want to, you know, remove, you know, that factor altogether. So, um, and again, so it, 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 it's perfectly understandable why they have that, but you know, I'm the one that ultimately ends up paying for it because I'm just sitting there waiting completely in the dark. So, so for a period of six months, I had no idea what was going on. So what I did was I, could only control what I could control and that was run. So during that evaluation process, I ran my ass off. So I ended up running four more marathons and uh, I, in those four marathons, I ended up qualifying for Boston two more times. I also, yeah, I also had the opportunity to run the London marathon I also ran the LA marathon in 2019 and did a course PR that day. So, I mean, I took, I took every aggression I had out on to the roads and in the races. So, um, in, you know, in that process, you know, I felt like, you know, this was really the only thing I could control because mentally I was a wreck because I just could not stand this waiting process. So, um, I essentially, just spent as much time out on the roads and trails as I could while I continued to go through this, uh, um, this waiting process. Yeah. That was your comfort zone. That's, that's what, you know, you went to your place that, you know, you were most comfortable with. So that's, that's crazy. Four marathons in six months, PRs, BQs, all while this is, you know, on the back of your mind, that's, that's inspirational, man. That's, that's really cool. Yeah, thanks. Um, it, it wasn't intended, but I mean, I, I just figured, look, the only thing I can really do is control what I can control. And um, that was really the only thing I had because by then, you know, I, I was pretty open about my story. And again, my, you know, the purpose of that was really to try and help, you know, those who, um, you know, that were kind of going through the same you know, journey that I was, and I took a lot of inspiration, you know, from the Brave Like Gabe Foundation because that 
foundation was founded by uh, a professional runner who actually was going through the exact, who went through the exact same journey as I did. Uh, unfortunately, hers was, you know, a rare, a rarer cancer. I had a rare cancer, but hers was even rarer that actually didn't even have a cure for it. Uh, liver transplant wasn't even an option for her. But she ultimately ended up passing away uh, very young uh, last year. Uh, but I kind of took um, her uh, platform of inspiration of running to try and help inspire those who are also struggling with cancer, not even cancer, but just struggling with, you know, uh, any type of uh, health issues, both physical and mental to, you know, just, just run, you know, move forward uh, because that's, if you move forward, that brings hope and with hope, anything can be achievable. So that's kind of like the same thing that I did. So I was, I was really open about, you know, my journey and, um, because of that, not only, I mean, really I kind of did it for myself because I felt like it, if I can express myself externally, then that's only going to help me by internalizing it. That's, just going to eat away at me so so by doing that you know i i felt like okay so it's it just making me feel better to be open about this and if in the process i can inspire you know one or two folks then all the better so uh, and again i just kind of took that you know from the brave like gabe foundation so so finally uh after months and months of running and waiting um one day uh, I got a text from my friend uh, Mark uh, through a three-way text that he and I have uh, with our mutual best friend, Eric. Um, this was kind of like my release and my escape, you know, from all the troubles that I was going through because, you know, these are guys that, you know, I basically uh, have known for over 20 years I and mean, we're like the guys who never graduated college. So I'm sure you guys have your own text threads like that. Uh-huh. So yeah, so it was just us being idiots you know, texting about, you know, music, you know, uh, texting about movies and just our opinions on just the dumbest things. So, so one day, um, Mark, uh, dropped a text, you know, uh, out of, out of the blue, because again, you know, it's just us being idiots. Uh, we, you know, they, you know, they're, they're good friends. So they knew about my situation. They certainly cared about me, but they never, you know, used, you know, this, uh, this text thread, you know, to talk about my situation, which I definitely appreciated. Um, but yeah. one day Mark just dropped in a text. He goes, Hey, what's the latest with your, um, uh, liver donor situation? I thought, Oh, that's kind of weird, but no, I'm re- I'll respond. And I just don't nothing. I- I'm still waiting and I'm going crazy right now. I, I know that somebody's being evaluated, but I have no idea what's going on. Then Mark responds. He goes, well, that's funny because they told me that they wouldn't tell me that you knew until they told you. And you guys are probably confused right now because I had no idea what that meant either. (laughs) So I just responded, what are you talking about, dude? And and then I, Mark responded, I'm the donor bitch. Yeah, the I best the laughing. best text message you you probably ever received on so oh many levels, God. right? Yeah, yeah. And I just I at the time I was just like picturing him as Jesse Pinkman and you know Breaking Bad. And I'm the donor bitch. <laughs> I was laughing, right? But then I just kind of had that oh shit moment right then and there. Going, oh my God, Mark's gonna save my life, and yeah. I just dropped the phone. I dropped the phone. And I just ran into, you know, uh, my bedroom where my wife was and just told him, 
Mark's my donor. We have our donor. And we just started crying, just crying and crying and crying. I mean, just shaking every, every gamut of emotions you can imagine, you know, knowing that someone's going to save your life. That's what we were going through times 10. So then after a couple of minutes, I thought, oh, crap, I didn't get back to March. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, so I ran back. He's I probably like, Phil, to... where'd you go? <laughs> exactly. And that's exactly what it was. So I picked up the phone. He goes, hello. Yeah. Are you still there? And then I just responded. Oh, uh, sorry. We're still trying here. And, um, yeah, yeah. So that, that, that was, that was just unbelievable. We're still shaking. I still shake just thinking, reflecting back on that day. And then, um, Three weeks later, you know, Mark and I were, were back at Keck together this time uh, to go in and have our transplant. So, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, Mark was honestly the very last person I would have expected to be, you know, my donor. It, it was just an unbelievable feeling and just it, it just brings me so much joy and gratitude to know that, you know, he or just anyone, not just him. I mean, honestly, you know, any one of the 16 who submitted themselves to yeah. do something like this. So, so, you know, I'm certainly going to spend the rest of my life living my life to the best of, you know, my abilities as a, as my thank you to them and to everybody who supported me. So, so yeah, so that's, that's, that's kind of like how, how that all went down. So and when we, uh, yeah, go ahead. And correct me if I'm wrong, when, when you were just talking a few minutes ago about running for Team Brave like Gabe and raising money, Mark actually ran with you, correct? And and you guys ended up raising over $10,000 to support um, Gabe's cause. Is that is that right? Yeah, yeah, he did. And thanks for bringing that up. Because anytime I have an opportunity to talk about Brave like Gabe, I'm all in. So yeah, um, so how, how it worked out, it, the Brave Like Gabe Foundation, uh, particularly Gabe, because in Gabe's, you know, uh, final few months, she and I actually did develop a relationship through social media. So uh, she and I, we would comment on each other's posts, you know, we'd send each other DMs, you know, supporting each other. And uh, in May of 2019, she had actually put up a post <laughs> saying that, yeah, and the post was a picture of her in her hospital bed. It actually turned out to be her final post before she passed away. But in May of every year, she uh, held a uh, Brave Like Gabe 5K, and it was their signature event, you know, to raise funds for rare cancers. Um, and uh, in that post, you know, she said, oh, well, I'm, I'm sorry, guys, but I'm not going to be able to run it this year. So have a great time. I'll be thinking of all of you. So I responded to her right away. Hey, you know, just telling her, hey, Gabe. So I want to let you know I'm, I'm really sorry what you're going through, but I uh, just want to let you know that I'm registered to run the 5K. And, you know, in fact, I'm going to run a 10K, you know, to make up for the 5K that you can't run. So she, yeah, and you know what? It, what was really amazing was that she actually replied, you know, not thanks or appreciate it. She actually replied, hey, what's the latest with your donor situation? <laughs> and I was just so floored because here she is really, really sick, you know, in, you know, in our hospital bed. And again, it, it turned out that, you know, she wouldn't, she'd end up not leaving that hospital, but she, you know, she actually thought right away to consider how I was doing. And, you know, I just responded, Oh, oh my God, Gabe, look, don't even worry about me. Just 
focus on yourself, focus on healing and getting better. And then she just said, no, no, I really want to know. So, you know, so we had a nice little exchange there, which unfortunately turned out to be our final exchange. But, you know, that was Gabe. That was really Gabe. She really, she really cared about the well-being of everybody, you know, in the community, both the running and cancer community. And, you know, I really doing my best to try and, you know, take that baton from her. So as a, you know, as a gesture, you know, of trying to do that, um, with the, you know, with my new liver in me, uh, and, you know, starting to, you know, um, start, you know, start my healing process. We had the LA Marathon coming up and, you know, they, you know, they were fully invested in me and they, they were, they've been so supportive. So I was putting everything that I could, that I could to recover from this and to run the LA, the 2020 LA Marathon just six months after my liver transplant. But, you know, I really wanted to take this opportunity to try and honor Gabe and the foundation by doing something much bigger than myself. So I ended up starting a team of about 20 runners all to run for the Brave Like Gabe Foundation. So I put a post out there, I think like in late December, you know, asking if anybody would be interested in joining me, you know, in this cause. And, um, you know, I was just, uh, astounded that you know 20 people just said yep count me in count me in count me in and one of the folks well they, there were actually two people specifically um <clears throat> one is uh carrie ann angle uh she is an la uh runner she runs for the la lagers and she had actually just finished her final radiation treatment for best for breast cancer and she and i we established a relationship together through the la marathon and she goes nope i'm you know count me in i'm in so Carrie Ann joined us um, while recovering from her own cancer journey. And then a really special friend of mine, Joel Stetler, uh, from up in Fresno. He is a very big advocate for the Brave Life Gabe Foundation, and he's actually going through a very similar journey that Gabe did where he is living with an incurable cancer right now. And he uh, is actually undergoing a clinical trial seeing some results but not great results but you know he's he's a fighter i mean he's he's exactly you know the type of person that that you know the brave like gabe foundation is fighting for so uh joel responded right away count me in i'll you know when can i get down to la when do you need me there by so we had this band yeah yeah and you know and again you know i was thinking oh my god joel i mean i i love that you you're, you want to come down and do this, but do you really want to do that? He goes, nope, I'm, I'm there. So, so he, so he came down and, um, so, so we had this band of 20 runners, you know, all ready to, to, to go. And some of these runners are very good runners, but you know, they said, you know what, I'm not, I'm throwing away all my time goals. I, I want to run with you step by step, you know, from start to finish. Cause I had no idea what my day was going to look like because I, just don't think it's precedented to have, you know, a liver transplant patient, you know, go out and run a marathon six months after, you know, transplant. So I, I don't know how long it's going to take me to get there, but you know, you're welcome to join me. So, um, so, so we had our team and then we said, okay, well, how much should we set as a target, you know, for raising money? And we got about, you know, three months before the marathon and someone threw out the number 10,000 and out like, are you kidding? $10,000? You know how hard that is? Because, yeah. you know, I mean, obviously you guys have done a lot of fundraising for, you know, um, uh, uh, for the GP Foundation. And it's not easy because yeah, I've, oh, yeah. I've done a lot of fundraising myself. It, it, is, it is not easy. But we thought, all right, let's just go ahead and put it out there. Let's call it a stretch goal. Um, 
but we ended up hitting it like on the day of the marathon. You know, somebody put in a really generous donation that last day, and we we ended up doing it. So yeah, so with, with you know having that you know like surge of energy, we were so fired up, you know, to to run the marathon. And um, the I don't think I've shared this with anybody, but you know the night before, you know, the LA Marathon uh, called me and asked me personally if you know I wanted to join Justin in the Stark Tower for the LA Marathon. I went, oh man, I don't know if I want to crowd in on uh, Justin's perch there. <laughs> I just didn't, didn't seem right. But they said, they said, no, 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 no. We, we would love to have you there. So I don't know, Justin, if they gave you a heads up that I was going to be joining you. But because, you know, they don't give you a lot of space up there. So. Well, they, so, they did give me a heads up, but I didn't realize that it was you because I had met you and your family at Dodger Stadium uh, earlier that year. And yeah, so, but I, I knew that they, they said, Hey, uh, you know, this guy's coming up. He's going to be in the booth when you start the race. I was like, Oh, cool. And then when I went up there or, and you got, and it was you, I was like, Oh, like I know you, (laughs) So it was kind of cool. And then obviously being up there, starting the race is, is, is an awesome experience. And then I actually got to see your whole group of runners as they were coming on and, and you were running with them. I, bl- I believe they were, you guys carried some balloons, right? A couple of runners had some balloons yeah. uh, to yeah, kind of like mark. Yeah. So yeah, that was cool. Yeah, no. And if you don't mind, I'd, I'd like to rewind just a little bit to that day when we got to meet at Dodger stadium. That was actually, um, four days before our transplant, Justin. Mm-hmm. And, um, the, the Dodgers had arranged for us to meet. And honestly, it wasn't, I mean, it was, it was great that they're doing it for me, but honestly getting the chance to meet with you, it, it was really for my family, particularly my son, because we were on edge because we had no, I mean, as, as happy as we were that our transplant was coming up, we were really, really scared and nervous. I mean, I, we really were, and I was particularly worried about my family because we had no idea what was going to happen. I mean, we were hoping for the best, we're expecting the best, but still, this is just something that we've never experienced before. So having that opportunity to meet with you before the game, because uh, again, you know, our nerves were just sky high at this point, but to talk with you and for you to just, I mean, you, I, I guess to give you a lot of information, but you, you knew exactly kind of like what was going on with us and to put, you know, us at you know, peace, you know, to really, you know, enjoy talking with such a genuine guy. I mean, you, you really are our favorite daughter because you, I mean, you, you're, you're one of us, right? You, grew up in LA, you yeah. played in LA, I mean, you are us, and it was like talking to a buddy, and for you to just, you know, take the time, especially pre because you baseball players, man, you guys are creatures of habit, and if there's any disruption to any of that, you guys freak out, so for you to actually step away from that, to just take, you know, five, ten minutes, you know, to sign some baseballs for my son, uh, to, you know, to talk with me personally about, you know, uh, what I'm going through and, you know, to wish me well, I really appreciate it. I did it really just kind of put our whole family, you know, at a, at, you know, at a, at a place of peace. So, um, that was just the best way, you know, to finish that weekend as we ramped up, you know, to our transplant. So, yeah, but then, you know, to fast forward back to that LA marathon, to see you up there, you knew who I was, you gave me a big hug and then, you know, to, to blow that horn with you. I mean, it was, it was just, I mean, I, I, I just cannot believe, you know, how blessed I was with all the gifts that had been, you know, uh, showered on me, you know, through this journey. And there just was no better way than to uh, 
put an exclamation point on it by running, you know, the LA marathon, you know, with, you know, which is still far and away my favorite marathon, um, you know, with 27,000, you know, friends and uh, including you court. I mean, it was just, it was just a spectacular day. And, you know, we did all the things that I'd always wanted to do, you know, on a marathon. I really wanted to, you know, give as many people high fives, uh, along the course, we even stopped at that uh, chili dog stand at mile five. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, we did it, man. We did it. I don't think yeah, I'll ever so, be at a place to stop geez. at that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. You're trying to make it tougher on yourself, huh? <laughs> it, it seemed like a good idea at the time, but then once we got to mile 13, it was like, oh, that's get, why you shouldn't be doing stuff like this. <laughs> get the emodium out at that point. <laughs> and that, yeah, that's, yeah. The unbelievable, that's the unbelievable thing, too, is, is like going along the – the marathon and the stops and you see like there's pizza, there's hot dogs, there's oranges, there's licorice, there's candy. Yeah. Uh, you know, people are placing mobile orders at Starbucks and going <laughs> off the course into Starbucks and picking up their stop, their coffee and then going back right. on and running with a, with a iced coffee in their hand. So exactly. it's just crazy. And then you get down closer to Santa Monica and all the bands, like you said, it's, it's such a good experience. I really, really, really want to, encourage everyone i'm not saying you have to run it but get out there on the streets at the day of the marathon and go support the runners and it really is uh an inspiration to go out and watch all these people just tackle this huge huge mountain so uh, i encourage everyone to get out there and experience it at least once and i promise you if you go once you'll you'll want to go back and and root on some runners again Right, right. Or maybe even run it, right? Or so, maybe even no, it run was, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it it was just amazing. And then, you know, um, we had actually had our my donor, Mark, signed up, you know, for the charity half marathon. Um, so the LA Marathon was kind enough, you know, to get him a bib for that. So Mark and I could actually run the second half together. And when we got to that final stretch after mile 26, going down ocean, headed to California, you know, there were still like eight of, um, you know, eight of the Brave Like Abe runners together running step by step. And we almost did like that V formation from the Mighty Ducks. Yes. <laughs> we, yeah, yeah. We had, did the you know, duck like thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, you know, we, we had blue balloons flying, uh, which is, you know, the blue heart shape. Uh, that's actually the symbol of the Brave Like Abe Foundation. Yeah. And we, we just kind of told ourselves, look, this is our way, you know, you know to, to let Gabe track us from heaven, you know, while we're running the course. So when we, you know, crossed the mile 26 marker headed towards that finish, I mean, I just started crying. I mean, I, I mean, I ugly cried for that entire, you know, <laughs> 0.2 miles. I, I mean, I, there was like a, there was a side of me I'd never experienced before. And yeah. it was really out of body at that point because I had Mark under one arm and I had Joel under, you know, the, my other arm. And we just, I mean, we were just walking on clouds at that point. Yeah. And when we crossed that finish and I saw my family there, I just completely lost it. And then I saw Justin. And went, hey, Justin, what are you doing here? <laughs> hey, start to finish, man. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. <laughs> you had an easier yeah, route than we did. but <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But then it turned out that Court, I think he finished a mere second behind us, which is just amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. So, yeah. so yeah, no, it was really just a perfection of the day. You know, it was just a perfection of a day, you know, and then, you know, the next day, the whole COVID, you know, steel gate dropped on everybody. But, yeah, that was you know, crazy. up until that point, yeah, up until that point, it was just, 
um, I mean, it was, it was just, you know, stuff for the ages, you know, from, you know, in my little world. So, um, beyond blessed. Yeah. I mean, wow. If that, if that doesn't inspire someone to, you know, get out and, and do something I saw on your ambassador profile, um, this quote, you said a friend told you stop making bucket lists and just do stuff. And, I love that because I feel like that's so much of, you know, everyone's like, oh, one day I want to go here and I want to travel to Hawaii. I want to do this. And it's like, what are you waiting for? You know, so I feel like your story is just such a testament to that of get up and go. You know, it's it's been I mean, you basically said, you know, running saved your life. You know, it's just such a. Yeah. I don't have a lot of words for it, but it's just, you know, super inspiring. Well, well. Damn, Court, you're living it. You really are, and you're 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 putting it out there. You're putting yourself out there, and you know what you and Justin are doing, you know, through the foundation. Which honestly, again, Justin, you, I mean, you're an incredible, you know, uh, baseball player, and you know we love you for it. But honestly, what really hits home to me, especially like when I'm watching the backstage Dodgers, you know, with whenever you're on, whenever they play like the best of Justin Turner, I think there's a new episode coming out tonight. I'm just watching what you do for the community. I mean, that goes so much further and higher than any ball you're going to hit or throw. And that's what really resonates with me. And that's what really resonates with the community. So I, you know, keep doing it, keep doing what you're doing. I hope you continue doing it long after, you know, you're, you know, done with this game of baseball, because that's, that's the stuff that really means the most. I mean, baseball memories are great. You know, that, that homer you hit to dead center against the Cubs, you know, I'll forever cherish that. But still, I mean, the stuff that you do for the veterans, the stuff that you do for the Dream Center, that's the stuff that really lasts. And I, I really hope you guys continue with that. And if there's anything I can do to help support you guys with that, you know, sign me up. I'll be I'll be right there. So well, we appreciate so yeah. that. Yeah, we appreciate that. And definitely uh, you know, it's a responsibility that we understand and that we don't take lightly. And, um, you know, I feel so lucky. We feel so lucky that, you know, I get to play a game for a living and, uh, you know, it's our mindset that it's the least we can do is, is get back out in the community and get back as much as we can with whatever time we have to, to do so. So we, we've been lucky to find a organization like the dream center, who's really kind of uh, steered us along the way and helped us with all of our initiatives and, and kind of pointed us in the right direction. And then we just jump in the wagon and, and, uh, get on board and, and go to lifting people up with them. So it's been cool. Yeah. You guys are my people. I mean, that's exactly (laughs) what I'm hoping to do. What what little runway I have left in this life. I mean, that's, that's the entire experience. Honestly, a lot of people, they're just, think, you know, okay, I got my liver, you know, I'm, I'm cancer free. I'm going to continue living my life. But honestly, for myself, and it doesn't have to be for everybody, I'm just saying it, it really has recalibrated my purpose in life. I mean, I really see that, you know, there's so much more and so much, so many more meaningful things that you can do, you know, with this life. So just grab it by the balls and go, you know, so that's, that. that's, that's really, yeah, that's really how I take it. And, you know, again, like what you that quote that you referenced that actually came from, uh, Gabe's husband, Justin, you know, stop making bucket lists, just go out and do stuff. So that, yeah. that really is, I mean, that's, I mean, that's a battle cry and yeah, I'm doing sure. the best that I can within, you know, within the COVID guidelines you know, to, 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 to do that. So. <laughs> right. Exactly. Six feet exactly. away. Yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. exactly. Well, Phil, I want to thank you so much for 
sharing your story. I know it's not easy, you know, some of the parts to kind of rehash all of that and, and share that with everyone. But I really do think you're inspiring so many people with your story. And so, yeah, just thank you so much for chatting with us today and sharing your journey. And I look forward to our journey as ambassadors and hopefully being able to run in person with you soon and, and <laughs> feed off some of that inspiration and PR. Yeah. Well, PR vibes I got 20 miles out. on the, yeah, I got 20 miles on, you know, on the docket tomorrow. So if you want to join me, you're Oof. welcome too. Wow. Well, actually we have a 5k challenge going on right now. I don't know if you've heard about it, Phil, and I'm in the lead. So I gotta, <laughs> I gotta, are. St- <laughs> no, dude, I'm saying to see who the real athlete in the yeah right i'm like right now you are crushing it 5ks are my sweet spot like i can do those all day but i like wake up and i'm like what are you doing she's like oh i'm going on a bike ride 5k i'm like okay cool and then after (laughs) after bp i'm like what are you doing she's like oh i'm on a hike 5k and i'm like oh awesome and then i get home and she's like what are you doing and she's like oh i'm gonna take the dog for a walk 5k i'm like jeez living breathing sleeping you are crushing it yeah yeah i've been publishing a weekly update and court's name is like top five so she might actually win this month so that would be amazing i'm number one uh, phil i'm actually actually in first humble brag right (laughs) this is the only challenge i'm ever going to be able to win i'm not going to win most mileage best pace most marathons this is my sweet spot and i have to take it i want it to be fun for everybody i really want these challenges to be something fun and attainable for every single person because if it's just like a distance challenge or number yeah. of activities, that's, that's no fun. We, you know, we need to change it up and make it interesting for everybody because otherwise it's like, oh, God, it's the same people on the top, you know, yeah. whatever. So, so, but are you going to be running the Santa Monica 5K virtual? I am. Yes. I'm okay. all signed up, okay. ready to go. Just have yeah, to well, run it. I, that's the hard part. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll just, I'll just throw this out there if you'd like. I'm, going to give you an opportunity to run the Boston Marathon with me because that's actually the exact same day that I'm doing the virtual Boston Marathon. So, they, you know, they canceled the Boston Marathon yeah. in Boston. So instead they're giving us this virtual option and I'm actually running at the exact same day as the actual um, Santa Monica virtual 5k. So it's here in, it's here in South Pasadena not far from Joe Davis's house. So oh. if you're interested, if you want to, you want to share his address with everyone? <laughs> yeah. No, no, I won't do that. But, yeah. but no, but uh, certainly, uh, if you're interested, Court, you can. You're welcome to run the last five k with me as Ooh. part of the Santa Monica five k. Like so I'll cool. definitely be more than that. six feet behind you, yeah. so we'll be within protocol. <laughs> no, we'll finish it together, six feet, you know, uh, next to each other. So That'd no, awesome. I'd I love the company. I'd love the company. So I love it. If you want, and then maybe we can even get Joe to do like you know the final uh, announce like the final stretch. Yeah, come out on your front yard, Joe. <laughs> Stop your grilling and come out. Yeah, put the exactly put the green egg away, huh? Yeah, right. Like, oh my gosh! Drop your tongs and come outside. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa! All right. Well. Yeah, I'm just putting it out there. I'm just putting it out there. All right. It's, well, it's you gave me more than eight. four days to train, so I really don't have an excuse. So yeah, might yeah. have to take you. And it's on a five k, not twenty six. So you yeah. said five k's are your jam, so and I trust me, I'm going to need all the motivation I can get to. I love it. Having you by my side would be great. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you again. Um, Yeah. I look forward to many, many miles with you. I appreciate you. Great. Yeah. Thanks Thanks for coming on. Enjoyed having you. Thanks for sharing your story and make sure you uh, tell your son I said hello. I will. Thanks you guys. Appreciate you. All right. Later. Bye. Bye.
wow. Hearing him tell his story, how can you not be inspired to want to get up and do something? Yeah, I mean, everyone has everyone has a story. And, and he said it when he was talking about how, you know, people aren't running, most people aren't running marathons just for times or for racing. And, you know, there's a greater the medal, cause, there's yeah. a greater calling. And, you know, hearing his story, you know, he didn't start running, obviously, um, for a greater calling. But then, you know, when he started having his health issues, it, instead of knocking him down and, uh, you know, him having to take a step back, it actually inspired him. And, you know, he started thriving and running better and qualifying for the Boston Marathon. And it's just a great, great example of, you know, positive thinking and um, not getting down, not being negative and taking opportunities and taking things in life and turning them into positives. And he's like, I mean, a poster boy for that. Yeah, honestly, it's like I say with my running, it's if I can inspire one person to get out and fundraise or one person to, you know, want to go for that. Like he said, something on your bucket list, like just start doing something, then I think it's all worth it. Cause that's really what it's all about is just, you know, getting up, doing stuff, spreading that positivity. And yeah, he's just mm -hmm. such an incredible story. I really look forward to, um, our journey as ambassadors together and getting to know him and, you know, everyone else. Yeah. So cool. And I think, I think we should do a, social media 5k challenge for anyone who wants to get in on it yeah let me think let me think about that and how we can do it and i think it would be cool sweeten like, the pot hey, with some prizes get out there <laughs> do some 5ks first person to complete you know 25ks yeah in a month can win something yeah let me i think that'd be cool yeah i'm gonna think about how to do that i love it yeah i All mean right. everyone don't be intimidated by 5k it's three miles Right? That's not that far. When's the last time you ran three miles? <sighs> Don't Never. be intimidated by it. I'm not intimidated. I would run <laughs> it right now. I would. Yeah, it's a lot. I'd, it's not a lot. It's a, I mean, it's a lot. Like, it's nothing to just, you know. I don't think it's that hard to go do three miles. I think what happens is people are overzealous and they get going and they try to be Superman right out of the gate. Oh no, Instead you should of see me. Themselves. You should see me yeah. at the starting line. I do the shuffle and then I get into it and I, I let everyone like fly by me. I can't wait to see you in another the, mile. When be you the tortoise, down. be the tortoise, not the hare. Slow and steady wins the race. Well, That's I don't win right. the race, but I finish the race. <laughs> that is for sure. Oh man. Well, thank you again to Phil for joining us today. And that is going to do it for this week. Another great week. Another great week. 20 episodes. Holy cow. Wow. Still going. Not a teenager anymore. I'm all grown up. Still holding. We'll talk to you guys next court. week. I'm still holding court <laughs> till the <laughs> end of guys. time. Bum, 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 bum,